Hello and welcome to the Parish Podcast of St. Anthony of Padua Catholic Church in the Woodlands, Texas. We're excited to share with you Sunday at St. Anthony's, a homily message from this past weekend that we hope you'll find enlightening. Thanks for tuning in and praying with us. Some Sadducees, those who deny that there is a resurrection, came forward and put this question to Jesus, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us, If someone's brother dies, leaving a wife but no child, his brother must take the wife and raise up descendants for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first married a woman but died childless. Then the second and the third married her, And likewise, all the seven died childless. Finally, the woman also died. Now, at the resurrection, whose wife will that woman be? For all seven had been married to her. Jesus said to them, The children of this age marry and remarry, but those who are deemed worthy to attain to the coming coming age and to the resurrection of the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. They can no longer die, for they are like angels, and they are the children of God because they are the ones who will rise. That the dead will rise, even Moses made known in the passage about the bush when he called out, Lord, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And he is not the God of the dead, but of the living, for to him all are alive. The Gospel of the Lord. We've entered November. And no, it's not Christmas yet. That doesn't start till December 25th. We still got ordinary time and Advent to go. Okay, I'll stop being a Grinch. Um, But seriously, we still got November. (laughs) And as we enter November, we enter the end of the liturgical year. And as was evident at All Saints and All Souls Day, like our focus shifts at the end of the year. It shifts liturgically, theologically, to look at the last four things. Heaven, hell, purgatory, and death. Today, our readings give us an opportunity to reflect upon those important truths of our faith that sometimes get forgotten or misunderstood. Today, we get an opportunity to do what St. Paul says in the line just before our second reading which is to stand firm and hold to the traditions that we have been taught, both in word of mouth and letter. So let's launch into the first one. Christ says today that those who die, as they await the resurrection of the body, which, remember, like, this is why Jesus is bringing this out to the Sadducees, because they didn't believe in it. But yet, Jewish people always had, we heard it in the first reading, those brothers, even though they're being tortured, their hands are being cut off, all these sorts of things, they're like, yeah, we're going to get that again. Because the body resurrects. We know when we go to the Lord and when the resurrection of the body happens, we're going to get it back. But until that time, they are like angels, Jesus says. Now note he says like angels. They do not become angels. Sometimes sometimes people say like when their loved one dies, like, oh, God has a new angel. It's not true. The soul, while it is separated from the body and it's an unembodied spirit, it's like an angel, but it's not an angel. An angel is a different creature entirely. They, like, they were made to have no bodies. Um, we, human persons, are meant to be body and soul. And angels, and this is where the great and glorious stuff comes for us to ponder, 
Their nature, like according to the order of nature, they are greater than us. They don't go through change. They don't like half-heartedly do something like we might want to do when we get our New Year's resolutions and we're like, okay, I'm going to lose 20 pounds and then that falls away or whatever like two days after. When, when they commit, they commit fully. This is why the, the devils are what they are. They had free will and they chose and they either chose God or not God. And when they chose, they chose with everything. And they never go back. We are a lesser being. We're fickle. We change. We go through time. They don't. But because God has joined himself to human nature in the order of grace, the fact that he gave divine life and that he's opened it, like his divine life opened, to a, opened up to us, we, on the order of grace, are now more blessed than angels. This is why we say one time at Easter Vigil, oh, happy fault, that Adam and Eve fell. Because when God saw our mess, our sin, our ugliness, the pollution of our souls, it cried out to him. And he, as the perfect lover, sought to fix it, to remedy it, to heal us, to beautify us, to draw us into a relationship that we do not deserve and that we can't even fully imagine. This is called in theology theosis. It's to be one with God. It's to be divinized. It's to be in total union and communion with him. We can't, again, cannot fully grasp it. The closest thing we get is like the writings of the saints when they have like ecstasies and things like that. And it's when they have that that leads them to write things like, oh, if humanity only understood what heaven was, what union with God was, they would do everything in their power to get rid of every sin in their life, venial everything, so that they could be one with God. The closest thing we have on a natural level to this understanding of a, a beautiful union with another person that helps us understand the supernatural reality that God wants for us is marriage. It shows us the relationship that God wants with actually each one of us. We talked about it before, like again, it's this beautiful Relationship of one entirely giving themselves to the other, the other receiving entirely, the other giving sacrificially, the other, and it's so beautiful, so glorious that a third person comes to be. It's not just how babies are made, it's the eternal makeup of the Trinity. And this helps us, like this, this image that God has given in holy matrimony gives us the, re, like the opportunity to reflect upon what God has for us today. And even is the jumping off point for where we might have questions about our readings today. We can see from our, our demonstration of the Trinity that the end of marriage, while it is union of the spouses, and on earth, certainly this union, if it is holy, can bring about sanctification and through loving sacrifice and submission to God, again, make saints. But note well, like looking at the image of the Trinity, its primary end is procreation. To be co-creators with God. To help him. Him who loves creation. Remember, God is perfect. He has absolutely no need for us. And yet, he makes us. Not for his sake. For ours. So that we might know him. 
we might enter into the joy and the bliss and everything that he has. This is why he calls men and women to be joined in holy matrimony so they may join him as creator, as little co-creators to give the body that will resurrect on the last day that we're reflecting upon today and join it with a soul that only he can create. And now there may be a new being that may come to know him, love him, and if they'll surrender their life to him, be with him forever. And that person, by, the, by surrendering, may come to glorify God. And their joy may be complete, and more may then come to know him, love him, surrender their lives to him. And he may be glorified even more. This is what the end of the world will be. When, like, when everyone, the, those who have chosen God, have been purified to the fullest, and the church, as the glory of the saints, will have joy. As our psalm said, and the joy will be complete. This is uh, like what God is calling, like again, married couples too, so that again, others may know, and even some know well, like, and this is what Christ gets to in another passage, some may even live the religious life or the celibate life and start to already live for heaven to come, where there will be no more marriage because that sign has passed away, because it's temporary. And that's the reality, is some of our sacraments are temporary for those who might be saddened by that reality. No, well, there's not going to be like baptism after death. There's not going to be the anointing of the sick after death. There's no longer marriage after death because it has done what it was supposed to do, or at least we hope it does, to reach our final destination, to reach God, the one who, though he does not need us, loves us, who desires that not only we be entirely his, but he be entirely ours. He desires us to not just live in his presence or have a personal relationship with him, but to be united to him forever. And this is why, again, marriage will end. Because we were meant solely for him. He might use things in this life to get us to him, but once we're there, we're all his. Again, for those that this may sadden, we also have to reflect upon, as we're at the end of this year, reflecting upon death. The reality for us Christians, like is that death has lost its sting. That death for us, because Jesus has had his passion, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, death has been transformed. Now, it is the remedy to this exile. It is the way we go to meet the one who loves us. Death can even be said and it is said by many a saint, is now a blessing. It is the last stage of the pilgrimage for those who love God. And note well, this is not something we're supposed to do alone. That's what we just reflected upon a few days ago on, on All Souls Day, that we, the church on earth, are united to the church in purgatory, that those who died without being perfect lovers, who still have the scars of sin on them, we help them. We love them by praying for them so that their purification may become complete because when they don't have their bodies anymore, they can't merit anything. They can't do sacrifices and offer acts of love anymore for themselves. And so we help. What though is their end? And what is the end we hope for? That's what we reflect upon today. And Jesus is trying to get the Sadducees too and us too as well. Again, that total union and communion with God. That union with him who calls himself the bridegroom. 
He, God, who time and time again in Scripture speaks of Israel as his people, as his bride. Union with God, who we get to have in just a moment. With Jesus, who what? Reveals himself to be this bridegroom. Because where does he work his first miracle? Not an exorcism, not in, like some other sacrifice or something like that, not some other healing, at a wedding. He shows himself to be the miraculous bridegroom that John the Baptist speaks of. He give, provides the abundance of wine that says will come in the time of the Messiah, when the bridegroom, when God comes himself for his bride, to show that the kingdom of God is at hand. The wedding feast is being prepared, and we are being called, and not just by anyone. We are being called by the bridegroom. We are being called by God, and it is he who beckons us. It is he himself who comes to woo us in our hearts so that we, his bride, may give ourselves over to him and trustfully surrender to him in everything. Brothers and sisters, as we ponder our end, the end for which we were made, and that we are God's mystical bride, I want you to think, as God always gives us images on the earthly realm to help us understand spiritual realms, I want you to think of a bride and how much work she puts in to preparing her wedding day. Brides, I know, will do anything and everything to prepare for their wedding day. And I know some of y'all were probably the brides who had that big old binder and all that sort of stuff. Like you met some boys the first date and you're like, oh, and my dress is on page 57 and you had it all planned out. Brides will do anything and everything. They'll prepare for months and weeks. And don't even get me started on all the preparation that goes on on wedding day. Anything so that it will be perfect. Here's the thing. As we ponder what this life is really all about, that God has called us his bride and that he desires to adorn his bride in radiant beauty, the question is, is, will we be? Trusting in sacred scripture and tradition, God has told us how we are to prepare, how we can be those, how we can have that perfect wedding day. Do we want it? Do we really want heaven and union with God? If so, ours is to listen, to listen to our perfectly loving bridegroom. Ours is to strive for holiness, for that oneness with God, to be set apart from the world and sin and all its evils. Ours is to deny ourselves, as he says, take up our cross, follow after him, destroy vice in our life. And note well, it's not going to be on our own. God is always there to help us. That's why he gives us again these sacraments in this valley of tears. He gives us help in our life of prayer, not only in the sacraments, and he gives us what? We're supposed to be a community that's helping each other get to heaven. Disciples, building disciples, all so that each of us can be that radiant bride, can be that glorious one, the one that God knows that each of us can be. As we round out the liturgical year and get ready for a new one, already begin to think of the changes that need to be made in life so that you may be perfect as the Heavenly Father is perfect so that you may be a saint that we rejoice in on All Saints Day, that you may be one of those fully sanctified ones. Now is the time for perfection and purification 
While we recognize that purgatory is a place where that happens, let's not shoot for that. Because if we shoot for purgatory, we might end up in hell. So too, we don't want to really go to purgatory. This is why St. Therese said, like, do your purifications now. You don't want to go to purgatory because in purgatory, we finally get to see God a little bit more than we can now. In fact, a lot more than we can now. And when we see his glory, we also see our sin for what it really is. We hate it and it burns us. And we want to be done with it so that we can be in union with him. And that too is why we pray again for those souls in purgatory so that their agony in not being fully united with the one they love may come to completion. And they may rest in bliss, in peace, in union with the God they love. If we church, if we bride of Christ, if we desire this bliss, this peace, this union with God for which we were made and which he has gifted us who are unworthy of it, today I want you to meditate upon the fact that you are Christ's beloved. I want it to soak in. Meditate upon it today. And note well that you have done nothing to earn that love. He just loves you. And God desires you to be his own. Fully recognizing that love, or at least more so today, respond then from it. It's from that love that we respond. And do it today and every day. Following that wisdom of the saints, the church, and God. Respond to that love and like a bride, strategically and intentionally prepare yourself for that true wedding day and for the fullness of the wedding feast of Christ, our Lord, our lover, our bridegroom, St. Anthony of Padua.